In this episode of the... Uh, okay. Sorry, I can barely see my phone. In this episode of... Why didn't this change? <laughs> what? I... I'll just have to... Is this 144? No, 143. Oh, 143. Yeah. Why? It still says Ryzen XT on here for some reason. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Here we go. In this episode of Full Nerd, Apple quits Intel... RTX Super Laptops and your questions answered. Welcome to episode 143. I'm sorry, we'll try that again. We get to do that this time. You don't get to see that and then you gotta you gotta pretend it's him. Welcome to episode 143. I'm your host, Gord Maung, with co-host Brad Charkis. Have a new headset this time, so hopefully my voice sounds a little better. We should just make it sound bad anyway, so people have something to complain <laughs> about, Brad. And, of course, Elena Yee, who has a much better microphone than either me or Brad, and a pop filter. Uh, well, we'll see if that actually translates to anything good. <laughs> and Adam Patrick Murray is controlling the plosives, because I have too many pie pops that people complain about with the pops. I mean, I wish I could control them from my end, but no, I, I can't. I can I can just uh, gently gently remind people to watch out for them. <laughs> yes, yes. We do that just to annoy you, Internet, so you have some irritation. Because an irritated audience is an audience that cares. That's <laughs> you know what? That's a good point. <laughs> it is a very good point. Uh, first up, the big news, of course. Apple quits Intel. Thoughts, hot takes. Of course, if you don't know, if you're living under the rock, uh, Apple turned its back. Well, App- Apple basically uh, this week said, hey, we're quitting Intel. We're moving to our own chips. This has been forecast for many, many years. It's been rumored. And finally, the situation, the circumstances are right that Apple thinks it can move. The famous, the and again, the Macintosh goes back to the beginning of, of, of personal computers. The Macintosh will move once again to an ARM-based, uh, Apple-made CPU. Apple-made. Wow. <laughs> it's wild. It's wild to me. Uh, two years seems pretty aggressive for the transition to me, is my first initial take. Uh, mostly... Well, and then also they said, oh, well, don't worry. We still have Intel stuff coming up, too. Like, watch out for that. And it's like... Yeah. Who would, uh, who I believe Gordon did a piece on that. And then at our colleagues at Macworld also did a piece along the lines of, look to history. This has happened before. Don't buy an Intel Mac right now. Yeah. It's a lame I, duck. No, it's crazy. I, I, you'd have to be nuts to buy, you know, a four thousand dollar MacBook Pro, right? Well, Unless, what, about, yeah. what about a, a forty thousand dollar Mac Pro? That is the funniest part to, I, I, for me of all funny. this. They, you know, three years ago, they're like, we're gonna, you know, re-embrace the high end audience. We're gonna bring back the Mac Pro. We're gonna take our time and do it right. You know, it took them a year, year and a half. Last year, they finally rolled out the Mac Pro. Less than a year later, they're like, nah, we're not doing x86 anymore. It's like, oh, man, that purchase has to burn so hard. You know you know what's weird, though, is that, I mean, I was watching uh, MKBHD Marquez Brownlee, like, you know, awesome YouTuber, and he's he's a diehard Apple fan, and, and he was talking about the, the announcement and gave just a little bit of his own color commentary, being like, oh, man, I, I can't wait to see them really unleash in the Mac Pro 
uh, because Intel's been kind of holding them back, you know, and and, the, and a Mac Pro with Apple hardware is just going to like rip it up. And I was just like, does he not? I, I, I mean, he he knows about computers. Like that's just like I, I was surprised that he was like so like like yeah, this is going to be awesome. And like, I mean, I guess maybe it's just difference in perspective where. I think we're a little more conservative on what we think uh, Apple could do in the high-end desktop space versus what I guess he, I guess maybe he just thinks very optimistically that, you know, Apple's going to be able to bring an entire stack of chips to the, to the playground, so to speak. And I just, I, I, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I could, a MacBook Air running on ARM, sure whatever i totally could see that but when you're talking about high-end like editing and desktop machines it's like what are they i mean unless they are now free to do something that they couldn't do with intel i think it's more like we're free from having to be constrained by intel so we get all the money (laughs) i think i think i have a piece going up about this tomorrow but spoiler alert i think a lot of this has to do with intel just getting stuck on 14 nanometer forever like, I was going back researching stuff for this piece that I have going up, and the first 14 nanometer chips came out in September 2014. So it's been almost six years now. And, I mean, Apple's been steadily progressing on its processors the whole time. And after you get stuck, you know, sure, they have been adding new features and upgrading speeds and adding more cores and Intel chips. But I can understand why Apple where it's at today is like, yo, we think we can advance quicker. We can, you know, have more control over our own roadmap and not be beholden to a partner of ours, a key partner being stuck in the same basic technology for five years. It's a hard place. I get where they're coming from. That said, I think they're going to have a whole lot easier time. Like you said, uh, showing up in a MacBook air than they are in a Mac pro or whatever. But, I'm real interested to see what Apple's processor engineers can do now that, you know, they're outside of those thermal constraints. Because up until now, they've been making these chips for iPads and iPhones, you know, and they're, they kick ass. They kick ass for what they are. They're class leading. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see where they're at three, four years from now, you know, when they have desktop class cooling available to them. Yeah, I mean, maybe they can, you know, rip it up and this does become a good thing for them. I just think this is another signal for me, and oh. and I've talked about this before. I I've, I was a diehard Mac guy for a long time, uh, and you know they they slowly just stopped giving a two craps about uh, creatives, and this is just another signal. I mean, it, I think it's pretty telling. One of the things they really focused on was like, hey, now you'll be able to run your iPad and iPhone apps on your Mac. And it's like, okay, that's cool for them and probably cool for the MacBook Air people. But, yeah, like what what high-end creative, like, is going to care about that? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I I just – I'm sure Final Cut 10 will work. I'm I'm sure Adobe is going to hop on board. You know, they they showed off some stuff. Cool. But, like, does that mean that culturally they're going to continue – or they're going to like turn the ship and then start caring about creatives again. Like I just, I think that's the problem. Like even though maybe these chips do end up being like real big powerhouses, I just I think culturally at the at the high level they're worried about mass market rather than the creatives who like they built upon their backs. So, I mean, the thing is that 
even though we know that they'll be able to do mainstream just fine, my concern is more like, what's it going to be like in terms of software experience for, you know, all these Mac users, right? Like, it's a lot easier for developers to develop for a single architecture, you know, with my understanding of it, right? So now you're splitting between two different, two different architectures. And um, just from my experience right now, trying to make a... Uh, Raspberry Pi 4 work as a PC, there is really zero ARM support for software right now. Like, I I can't even get Chrome or Firefox to work on Raspbian or, I guess, Raspberry Pi OS right now because they're just not compiled. So, I mean, on the one hand, I was working on this, pro I've been working on this project thinking, like, oh, great, I guess in the future this will work out well for, you know, little maker boards like this, but you're going to have to... I just, I just remember the days of when there was that really strong divide where it's like you couldn't find software on one operating system and you could find out the other and it was just separated like that and and then what about games i know that a lot of people don't really play on mac but even still like it's kind of a nice bonus for them i was now actually was getting like, tossed Bye. out the window i was surprised <laughs> that they actually did show a game demo like during the stream i was like Okay, like why? Why even? Why even pretend? Like that's that was a complete joke. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, something that's that that Leif has uh, talked about, a uh, former colleague from MacWorld. You know, it's like, hey, the future of gaming on the Mac is is just streaming from a browser. So I, you know, more so now. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> I mean, Mark Hockman, one of our PC World colleagues, just yesterday did a good, really good piece. You know, talking about how much trouble that, uh, you know, uh, Qualcomm ARM-based Windows PCs have had. Microsoft keeps trying to make it a thing. They can't even run apps that are scheduled, f that are created using x64. They have to be x32, so older. Uh, there's a bunch of issues. A whole bunch of software just won't work on Qualcomm PCs. Uh, it's going to be the same thing for Apple and none of these game developers are going to put the work into making games to run on these ARM chips. Because, I mean, Mac was already mostly an afterthought, but they had a decent, like a good enough, like if you weren't like, I need to play the new game now kind of a gamer, then you know, you got some games you can play. Uh, that's going to go away, uh, yep. in my opinion. Uh, yeah. And it's just going to be a big headache for a few years. Because like we we're saying right now... Uh, Intel-based Macs are a lame duck. Like, don't buy in on that. Gordon did a good piece talking about how when Power they made the transition from PowerPC to Intel, uh, five years later, the latest version of the OS cut off the PowerPC ones. So if you buy a Mac right now, that's kind of what you could expect would, based on history. You know, you got five years. Uh, but in the meantime, on the ARM-based systems, they're going to have to work through all these issues that... Microsoft and Qualcomm are having with ARM PCs. It still is the same issues for Apple, even though Apple has control of the whole stack. Uh, and it's going to be a mess, I think. I Which think it's going to be a rough couple of years for Macs uh, because yeah. they kept talking about performance per watt, which is very important. But to me, that's a telltale sign that they're not going to be competitive in sheer performance with Intel chips just more efficient 
at least for the first gen. That's that's kind of where I see that going based off that talk. And the software support, support is going to be a mess, I think. There's going to be – your apps ain't going to work how you think they're going to work on the first ARM MacBooks and Intel ones are lame ducks, so it's rough. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah uh, but before we move on real quick, uh, I forgot to mention uh, Ziv, a uh, friend of the show, gave us $10 uh, at the beginning. Thank you so much. And he said, play Halsey Still Learning. I don't know what that is. Uh, so, And then Ken, real quick, Ken Clack gave us $5, said, uh, welcome to PC World 8, the Ocho. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, but uh, Gordon, you've you've used a lot of ARM systems. Like, what, what do you what do you think? Like, is could this could this potential move actually help arm on the pc side of things or or no uh well so privately i've always i've always thought like because i never could get it because i remember the original surface rts and people have to remember in 2012 the world was very different in in the (laughs) in 2012 it was the end of the pc remember and tablets were going to rule everything Intel was basically people were expecting Intel to sort of like you know go away and and I always under, I understood that the x86 versions of Surface were always superior because it worked the way you expected a Windows computer to work but I never blame Microsoft for having an ARM version because if you're Microsoft you always have to have an out because everybody and this sort of just tells you the issues with Intel right now. I don't think there's a lot of faith right now that Intel can, you know, pull it out like they always have in the past. I mean, they've Intel has always come back and they've always pulled it out. I don't know if there's a lot of faith that they're going to do it this time. I, I think there's a lot of worry. You know, I sort of like, well, Intel is so big. They have so many fabs. You know, if you're a business or if you're a multi-billion dollar business, you have to have and and, you know, an out. You just don't know where it's going to end up. Of course, since then, AMD has become actually awesome. So that's that's always a, a plus. But I, I I think the whole arm it miss on on Windows has been a misadventure. But you know, Windows. The problem with ARM on Windows is, as again, I know this is going to irk Elena, but Windows and the PC are about freedom, and freedom means chaos. And freedom means people don't listen to what you tell them to do. You can't order them to also do the ARM versions. You can't force developers to also make ARM versions. It just never happens. The PC and 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 how it's constructed, the very society of the PC is designed to be messy. It's a strength uh, and it's his weakness. ARM for Apple, I will tell you, is going to work out. I, I honestly think that this, this move for Mac... I will say I would not buy an Intel Mac unless I had to for work or something. You just need it. But uh, I think those are, you know, dead dead PCs walking. I do think, frankly, in the long term, this is Apple will succeed. Uh, a Macintosh-based ARM laptop will be actually really awesome eventually. It'll be rough at first, of course. There's always things that don't work. There's, but I think ultimately they have 5 nanometer on their side. Right, they're going to be the first ones. First ones out of TSMC, probably with five nanometer, and what they have on the Apple ecosystem that always makes it stronger. It's the strength of the Apple ecosystem is they don't have freedom. They don't have freedom, so they every every few years they they call the herd. You're the weakest one or weakest to the business. You're not making the most money. You're done. You're off. We're throwing you overboard, and they sort of you can stay strong that way. So 
people who are into Macs, people who are into Apple, the vast majority, not all of them, because some people are going to get off the train now, they're going to go out and they're going to buy these new Macs, and they are going to be so happy with them because it's from Apple. As long as it has the Apple logo on it, that that's all that matters. So I think if there's one company that can pull this off, I've said this before, it is Apple. Um, so I do think in the end, Apple will win because Apple thinks really long term. You know, maybe not next year, maybe not five years from now, but ten years from now, you know, they're going to have everybody. And people on Macs won't ever remember what x86 was. Right. So I, I think long term, they're going to win. Yeah, I think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, I'm curious to, to know your definition of, of win. Cause I mean, on the Mac, you know, if you, if you look whenever they do their quarterly sales or whatever, you know, like Mac sales have always like for years just 10%, been like 10%, 10% right? 10%. You know, you get the spike around holiday time, but it's always 10%. Are you saying they're going to start selling more Macs because of this? Like, is that what I, you say by that they're going to succeed? Yeah. Because ultimately, you know, it's funny because we all talk about like, I do think Intel being stuck in that 14 nanometer ditch contributed to this. The the breakup came, but let's all say it. Like I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure there are Macs down in 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 Apple headquarters running AMD chips. AMD's awesome, right? They've got Radeon, they've got AP, they got everything, they got the whole package. Apple could have simply said, "Hey, we're going to buy your CPUs, all of your CPUs for the next two years. We're going to make a transition to AMD." Even though that is obviously an awesome platform because they are just kicking butt all over the place right now, they didn't do it because, you know what, Apple says this is not about, This is, I had this interesting debate with someone on the internet about it, but this is not about silicon, this is not about all that ARM versus x86, all that stuff. This is about Apple's business. Apple loves money. They like to make money. This will win Apple because they will make more money in the long run off of the Macs. And they will ultimately succeed because they've got infinite money at this point. They take the long-term view, and it will succeed through the sheer will of, of Apple and the resources and the fact that Apple users line up behind them, which I could never understand. I could never understand it. I mean, I had a friend. He got a CD stuck in his his MacBook, right? Maybe it, was, it might have even been a you know PowerBook. It was sold. The C, remember because they used those slot-fed drives, which were cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Until they got stuck, and I said, "Oh well, if you look on the front of it, there's a pinhole to hit the manual eject button." He goes, "There isn't on mine. No, not, not on a Mac." <laughs> I was like, "What? That's like I have slot-fed <laughs> I, drives." That happened to me too. Yeah. <laughs> you just and so the trick was people would say, "Well, you take your." You take your your uh, driver's license and you take your credit card and you stick it in there and you pull it out. You're like, I was like, what the hell? Why would you? Because I can tell you, there's a manual eject. They just covered it up because they didn't want that hole on there because they're a holes. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, he said to me, my friend said, "Well, you know, I, I've been meaning to buy a new Mac anyway. So <laughs> maybe this is time to go buy a new That's one." A thing. He said that. I was like, are you crazy? The optical disc is stuck in your drive because of a clear design defect in this computer, and you're going to go give that same company more money? <laughs> that is a mindset of 90% of Mac users. See, so I, I, gonna- I completely agree with you. 
but I still don't understand why you think they're actually going to sell more. Like, I, I, I just don't see more people hopping on the train because of this move. I, mean, I think the, just the people be... who are there are going to be there. Like, we well, know that. But I'm I, not I, saying that we don't. Well, I think, well, it's a long, it's a long, a long explanation. One, more by winning, I mean more money. Because you well, know, more what? money per laptop sold, but still, like that's you know. No, because it's not just about the hardware. Hey, you know how you buy your MacBook now, and you get this like, oh man, I've got this awesome, really old application I love. It runs on OS ten. They went out of business three years ago. I can still run that because I just you know, drag it on the desktop, run it. Is that world going to exist on an ARM based Mac? I'm not so exactly. sure. Exactly. They're they're supporting about- it for now, but. Yeah, they're going to close that hole, the hole which yeah. is you get to bring your own experience, you get to do what you do, all everything from the Apple Store, and the re- the rationale will be, one, security. It's more secure because it comes vetted through the Apple Store. Hey, we keep control of it. You'll not have to worry about losing it. And two, privacy, because privacy is the new drinking game at Apple. It's all about our <laughs> – that's it. So you get those two things – you know what? Your freedom, your chaos that you bring to our world and security risks from old applications, from 32-bit applications, they just threw 32-bit applications overboard. If you had an old version of Office, forget it, right? You had it. You paid like $400 for it eight years ago. You still been running it. You don't need all those advanced features in Word and Excel. That version will no longer run on the latest versions of Mac OS and you know, I says, "Oh my God, I can't believe this is horrible, right?" Because I, I have some 32-bit Office I can't install on the new version of Mac OS. You know what a coworker said, who is a Mac person? He said, "Well, you know, they've been warning this about for four years, so it's 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 fine." It's like what? It's like if, <laughs> but if you look at the Windows ecosystem, the the chaos, the freedom of PC. If Microsoft says, "You know what?" It, it would really advance the PC if we dumped 32-bit support. And it would, really, because you, you just lose all 32-bit. If you just simply cut off 32-bit, it's a huge boon for the PC, Windows. So people would Wouldn't run up work. to Redmond. They would run up there with torches and, and, and pitchforks. Microsoft know they'd get, like, they people, you could never do it on the PC. But on Apple, their customers go like, wow, why didn't you take this away from me sooner? And I will never understand that. That is the mindset of the vast majority of Apple customers. And I see people going, oh, my God, I'm so glad they're dumping Intel and they're going to their own CPUs because it'll be better. How do you know this? Just because they have absolute faith in Apple. And I, that just tells you the mindset of the mass majority of Apple users. So, yeah, they are going to succeed no matter what. Yeah, well, I think, I, Gordon, yeah, I'm, I I'm not like, as rosy. I, well, I feel like, Gordon, <laughs> you just kind of proved or backed up what Adam's assertion was, which is that they're not necessarily going to grow in market share, right? Because, like, if you're saying, like, that they're just going to keep doing these things that throw people overboard sooner because it, you know, helps with those those key points they always bring up in every um, presentation, security, privacy, and all that, then you're never going to be able to win over um enterprise users and that's really where the money and the volume is right yeah. they, a lot of them are using old software 
a lot of them. Still I mean, use Apple a, a, software. education, right, is where Apple got a huge start, right, was being in education. You know, now Chromebooks are, are kind of their creatives. Like, I know a lot of creatives who are going out. A lot of business people, I mean, one of the things that got brought up in the chat that I totally forgot about was that uh, I knew personally a lot of people who had Macs that were like, hey, you know what? I got the best of both worlds. I can just uh, boot camp into Windows. You know, if I need to play games, if I need to run office, I, I got Windows on boot camp. So I got the best of both worlds. Why, you know, why do that? Nope. Boot camp gone. Yeah, so, boot camp's uh, like, gone because yeah. Microsoft only uh, licenses Windows 10 on ARM to OEMs for OEM systems. They won't sell it to you to put on boot camp. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I totally think that the people who are in it are in it no matter what. But I don't see any of these moves appealing to somebody who's fed up with the pc or doesn't like you know a, a chromebook and just being like hey you know what over there's really good i'm gonna try that i i actually think their market share is gonna drop because of this because i it'll continue the creatives will continue to leave the you know the the enterprise people are not gonna hop on board i mean I, like it's it's gonna be good for them i think they think it's gonna be a good thing but i just don't all the I people that i know interesting is that all this is happening with the backdrop of that Hey app from uh, Basecamp, I believe it was. The big thing with mm-hmm. iOS, like how restrictive the iOS store rules are enforcing Apple monetization on app developers. That was all going on last week before WWDC. I find it really interesting that they're shifting. I mean, they're still leaving non-Mac store apps open right now and the first version of Mac 11, but you know that's not going to stick around like that because once everything's running through ARM and iOS with uh, App Store and stuff, it's it's just going to get locked down like Gordon's saying. But my reaction to everything Gordon is saying, to bring it back to the PC system, is I think this could actually provide, I think Elena mentioned, a long-term shot in the arm for Qualcomm Windows PCs because... Like you said, that crap doesn't fly (laughs) on the PC itself. Listen to me, Gordon. Hear me out. It could, I said. Because, you know, right now, nobody's looking for that. I mean, you can get... We just put a review up today of a Core i3 laptop that has, like, 985-minute battery life, like, 16 hours or something. Like, and it works with programs, unlike Qualcomm. Uh, But Apple forcing this lockdown, like, forcing people to move to uh, ARM and pushing things through the Mac store and making everyone, you know, compile for ARM. I mean, once Adobe does that for Apple, they're going to put that same effort into the Windows app, I would think, so that, you know, rather than ARM PCs being the second thought right now, they're still kind of going to be a second thought, but they'll get a lot more attention than they get right now, I think. You will be able to run Chrome on them and stuff like that. Yeah, I so I the the Adobe thing is this. I mean, I, I, we saw basically a, a a fork. Adobe saying they're going to support this essentially two years ago because they've been showing off a, Adobe Photoshop on running on and on the iPad for a long time. This has all been building for many many years. So I I think um, there are, Adobe's already there, which I could never frankly understand because. Adobe, if you're listening, I mean they Apple, they want money, right? So they want they want money. They want, they want access to those markets. But Apple, Apple, like all big companies, likes to eat people's lunches. Right now, they're your best friends. Five years from now, they're going to come and eat your lunch, like everybody does, right? So I think 
frankly, supporting Apple is somebody that is is it you're supporting a future competitor again because they they once you're on ARM, the the advantage is sort of a little bit more to to Apple to sort of have full control of it. I think that's bad news. So I, I think that, but I, I think ultimately, I, I don't think it will benefit Qualcomm and Windows because, again, people on PC value freedom and the chaos that it brings, too. It does bring chaos, I admit that, but they want the freedom. I don't think it'll benefit. And, and so I don't think ARM is ever going to appeal on the Windows platform, frankly. There's just no way you can take away the, 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 the sheer chaos and freedom and legacy support, which is our strength and our weakness on the PC. And I don't think it will necessarily benefit ARM as far as performance because a lot of people are very doubtful of the performance Apple's chips will bring. But I can guarantee you on the applications that are optimized for it and the applications that Apple will be showcasing, it's going to scream. Because you basically have tightly, you know, you have highly optimized code written specifically for the hardware that Apple has created, right? If Apple goes to you, Adobe, and says, hey, we're going to make basically Adobe application acceleration dedicated circuits on our chip for your applications, Adobe's going to be, yeah, we'll do it. And those things are going to scream on the, you know, so I, I think the performance will be there ultimately. But I, you know, I, I just think, People sort of assume I think they're going to lose on performance, and all. I, no, I, I don't. I don't think so. Well, I think I think I, the one the one key thing here is that we're just talking about CPU stuff, like the GPU stuff. Uh, you know, we have questions in here. Wait, are are they going to still use AMD GPUs either in their laptops or in the the Mac Tower? Okay, so what is a Mac Pro? You know, in it, if if they keep with the iteration right now, what does a Mac Pro have for dedicated GPUs? Because when you're talking about performance, like you you need dedicated GPUs for a lot of the stuff that goes on out there. Like what's, like, what what's going to be they're the going to their in-house one, didn't they? They're going to make their own GPUs. Yeah, they I'm already sure. have. They make very yeah. good mobile GPUs. Again, yeah. well, mo- mobile I'm, GPUs, I'm, but for, I'm talking about the Mac Pro. You know, like like yeah, serious. It depends serious how much power. they can scale it up. That's the that's the big thing. Like, don't I'm kind of with Gordon. Like, people are kind of dumping on. Apple's capabilities. I think Apple's scaled-up chips are probably not going to be quite as good as Intel, but maybe not the first iteration, but the second and third iteration are going to be a bit more performant than people think. Uh, For sure, but, you know, it's it, it's just that GPU thing is, is another part yeah, of it. It's like... We'll have to see. Like, sure, on, on if you're looking at just CPU performance of, you know, uh, Adobe Premiere Pro on, on the PC and Adobe, you know, on on their their own arm chips just cpu performance sure okay you know i could totally see them having a world where they're you know like could could even be more performant but without that gpu side as well which does a lot of encoding for for 3d animators yeah i mean it it helps even video you know like I, i just that is a piece missing at the high end that i just i'm not quite sure they'll be able to keep up with right we'll have to see how it goes I, I think that really the interesting part of sitting a little bit uh, back from this conversation, listening to you three go at it, is that I feel like Brad and Gordon are really going at this from the mainstream perspective. And I, I totally agree with both of you that people who are um, doubting Apple's capability on hardware and for the mainstream, like, you know, your MacBooks, your MacBook Airs and all that, um, I, I just don't think that's founded. But I think Adam has a good point in terms of the mm-hmm. creatives because 
they're probably going to have to wait a while to see whatever Apple will come out with. And it could be that Apple proves uh, you two, Gordon and Brad, correct that they're actually going to have something worthwhile. But I don't think the loyalty is there anymore. Like, I don't think the creatives are willing to wait the way the mainstream is because they've they've been neglected for so long. I think it eroded that faith. Like, we get so many um, questions in, like, Discord or whatever, wherever where, you know, people are asking Adam or just asking us in general, hey, I'm a creative. I'm going to build my first Threadripper build because I just, I can't do this anymore. I can't wait. It's just so much cheaper, too. It's crazy because, you know, Apple tends to go for high-value customers, and creatives are, like, the freaking whales, man. They're the ones who will drop multiple thousands of dollars to get the performance they need to make money themselves faster. Yeah. And it's crazy to me that Apple's just been, like, kicking them in the junk for years and years and years. <laughs> and, and it hurts. I, I have bruises. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> Like I, I, I actually I loved I loved being on a Mac. I really did. I had some great times with it. It just like after a while, it just didn't make sense anymore. And and I mean, if if they do come out with something awesome, it's like okay, cool. Like I I'll check it out. But I, I'm just uh, like I said, the decisions they're making culturally at the high end, you know, still doesn't give me confidence that they're caring about me as a, as a creative. Like and that is. I think I and I know a lot of other creatives who are in the in the same the same book. For me, rolling out that Mac Pro finally again last year, and then a year later being like, "Oh no, listen here, yeah, what? Like so the I so the only thing I have to say is I I didn't hear what you're saying because I was buying a thousand dollar monitor stand and five (laughs) hundred dollars in wheels. Those people who bought. Whatever was it? Five hundred dollars for the wheels for the Mac Pro? <laughs> yeah, something like that. And yeah. the thousand dollar Mahler stand. Do you think those people who drink that flavor aid are gonna like gonna leave? They're not gonna leave. But they're we're just saying, simply we're saying that there's just not as many of those people left. I'm not saying that the the uh, the faithful don't exist in the creative space. I just think that that pool has shrunk quite a bit over the years. Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Also, look, look at this real quick. I, I I just went to you know build your own Mac Pro, right? And <laughs> and if you look at all the graphics cards, obviously they're all AMD. Uh, and if you get two Radeon Pro Vega twos uh, with thirty two gigs of HBM two uh, memory, that's a ten thousand eight hundred dollar upgrade. Like Oof. a future Mac Pro, what are you going to have as an option to upgrade to? Right? Like like that's what I'm like in the graphics section. What would I upgrade to? What what does That's, Apple want to take my money from? Because people yeah, are willing to do it. Replacing a MacBook Air, I think, would be much easier. Oh, replacing yeah. Yeah, a Xeon system with dual Vegas like that is going to be a much more difficult task. I wouldn't be surprised if those are the last ones to make the transition. Uh, I'm yeah. curious to see, looking at all this, one, does Apple decide to just scale up its own mobile GPU? Because it does actually kick ass for what it is. And, you know, they have more thermal headroom now. I'm also curious to see AMD, I think, is the one PC partner who hasn't let Apple down in Apple's eyes. Uh, I, like I said, I think a large part of this transition is because Intel stalled out for five years. Uh, NVIDIA was in Apple PCs until Bumpgate happened about a decade ago. And after that happened, Apple just said peace, even when... NVIDIA has been kicking butt in laptops over Radeon GPUs for the last decade. And 
Apple doesn't care. They're not going back to NVIDIA. So AMD is the last PC partner that hasn't hurt Apple in Apple's eyes, I think. And AMD is very willing to license out its technology, its custom stuff. Uh, for example, they're already working on bringing RDNA to Samsung phones. So I'm curious to see if maybe Apple works with AMD a bit to bring some of that knobby special sauce, mix it with its own GPUs, and do something unique there. Yeah, and one thing I do want to point out, Adam, is is uh, I know for a lot of creatives, they're always looking at you know GPU acceleration, all that stuff. That's that stuff is already there. I mean, afterburner in, cards and all that shit. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah. I mean, look. So one, uh, they showed they showed this thing streaming. What is it like four, three, four K streams in real time and whatever it was. Yeah, they didn't say what it was encoded with and like bit yeah, rate and everything. No, I mean, so you know. But I mean, but this is look Apple. They they have had hardware encoders and decoders in in their processors for a long time it's not difficult for them to also you know scale that up as well and you know few less thermal constraints i mean it's not just about the hardware it's about the software and and apple really thinks if they can you know if you have just highly optimized a software that supports your hardware your dedicated circuits I, it's it's going to scream like they already have that sort of acceleration card in the Mac Pro, that's I don't know how much that option is, but so I I don't think it's this is necessarily going to be a performance question. I I think they can do it for the applications that support it. The right? afterburner card's two thousand dollars. I just looked. Yeah. So, but they I think they they will be able to do this for creators as well. It'll be awesomeness for everybody within that wall. In, within the walls, and a lot of people like to say walled garden, but I like to see it as a walled prison because not only does it keep people out, but it also keeps you in. You don't get to leave. So I think it'll be awesome for everything within the walled prison. But, but you know, if somebody comes along and they want to do something new and crazy, no, it's it's not going to work on on whatever the, their new their new Macs are. It's just no. So that. You just lose that sort of the creativity that you can do from the outside. Everything, everything from Apple's point of view is great, right? So if you do stuff the Apple way, then it's awesome. But you know, on computing, it's about other things. I don't know how many creatives though want to do things that are outside that that walled prison, right? So I, I do think, even as a creative, whenever the new Mac Pro comes out in say four years or three years or whatever it is, I I think. It'll perform. It'll perform really well for the applications that support it, and that's probably all that matters because those people who are spending all that money—that's all they care about. It'll kick ass in Final Cut. Yeah. Well, Final Un- Cut until and they Adobe. kill Final Cut. I mean, so like this. This brings up a good point. Like, I could never understand this, although I have suspicions. But why has Adobe has been making more money from PC customers? Windows customers for a long time they make way more money off of off of Windows users than they do from Apple users. Why in the world don't we get more attention or loving? I mean, it takes like essentially Intel and Nvidia basically have to almost do the work for them. It feels like for us to get the optimization, whereas the optimization for moving to ARM that's a huge undertaking, and they have just they've just jumped into it with both feet. It looks like and like 
where's the love for PC? That's why everybody is so so really hoping that you know Black Magic sort of takes off with all their apps, right? Yeah, I th- I, I mean, I, I Adobe has gotten a lot better on on Windows, like for damn sure. Like, uh, I, they're giving it attention, yeah. you know. Like I. Like I, I, th- I think it's it's pretty much up there with the Apple stuff right now. Like I don't think it's lagging behind like it was a long time ago. But yeah, I mean you have plenty of people running over to to uh, DaVinci Resolve and and all those other options. It's yeah, I don't know. I also I I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past the Apple to be like, bye Adobe, see you later, or say hey you know what sure. Final Cut Ten, bye. We don't care about you anymore. Logic sure. Pro, three out the window. Right. I mean, they do that with the store now. Like, you know what? We don't need competing applications to our... Your application does the same thing our application does. You're duplicating features in the OS. Why should we let you... You know, I mean, that, yeah. they've done things like that in the past. They just they just hit the, the kill button and you're turned off, right? So I... And I, I do think that is the one weakness because when you point out earlier, all every single Mac user is like, well, I can run Windows if I have to. That's my escape hatch. There's no more escape patch on these new Macs. Yep. So you're basically stuck. There's a spider crawling around in my room right now. You, <laughs> you're, you're basically stuck. You know, I, I, you have nowhere to go. So, yeah, I know. Just, yeah. Cause it's honest. It just keeps like, <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden we see this thing just like, <laughs> just like come straight down from the ceiling. Like a, like a uh, face hugger, you know, and just oh, attaches no. to his face and he, he drops dead. <laughs> you know, actually somebody in chat, I, I didn't actually catch their name. Sorry, but someone in YouTube chat had mentioned this also closes, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, Hackintosh loophole as well. Yep. So that means they just keep, they keep all that money, right? Not that many people were doing Hackintoshes relative to, you know, the overall ecosystem yep. of people, but... But it was it was a passionate base, you know what I mean? Was. Like, that. that's... Apple used to have all these little passionate sectors here and there, you know, that really, really went to bat for them, and I, a lot of those, I think, are just peeling off, you know? Like a like one of those onions that... The blooming onion. I think Gordon was on to a lot, though. Apple's all about profit margin, and doing mm-hmm. this is going to just skyrocket it, because... Mm-hmm. Their A-series chips cost a whole lot less than what they pay Intel. And whatever they brew up in-house is going to cost a whole lot less than whatever they have to pay AMD for Radeon GPUs. And, you know, a couple years from now, when even if it's not locked down, the Mac store is going to be strongly encouraged. Uh, That's going to increase those margins through the roof, too. Apple takes a 30% cut. Like, it's going to make Apple's profit margins go up and that's really what i think they care about which They're, yeah because yeah. i i think they realize they can't play in market share anymore they're they're never going to yeah. gain any more market share so at least as long as they get better better profit share i guess that's a good thing to keep the mac around because i could have been them saying like okay well we're never going to compete on market share so jettison the whole mac platform but they're i like, can well, also see them thinking that they really can do better software security in privacy and hardware development than the other ones though i think people in apple are confident in what they can do i don't think it's necessarily like a cynical like hey we're just just going for profit i think they are like hey we like more profit and we think we can do this now (laughs) there's a reason to keep the mac around yeah Uh, yeah but uh i mean there's there's so much more to talk about it but we should probably move on so we we can get to some of the other topics um Brad, you, uh, you, you've been looking at some RTX Super laptops? Well, Gordon and I both, actually. Oh, both. We had a oh, okay. bunch of uh, 
three reviews, I think, go up this week that had the RTX 2080 Super in it. Uh, I think they all had different processors, too, which to me is the interesting part. Uh, so Gordon reviewed a 4.6-pound uh, MSI G66 Stealth System. G- GS66. GS66, so. pardon me, uh, which has an RTX 2080 Super Max Q, which was actually, I believe, the first time we reviewed that. Uh, a 300 hertz screen and a Core i9 chip. Uh, I reviewed a same weight, 4.5 pounds, 4.6 pounds, uh, Acer Triton 500 that has the same RTX 2080 Super, uh, but paired it with a Core i7 10750H, so their mainstream Core i7 rather than the Core i9, which the G66 went with. And Gordon also reviewed uh, the Asus Zenbook something dual. What's it called? Uh, it's the ROG Zephyrus Duo Zephyrus 15 GX550. <clears throat> I can't remember all that. <laughs> but that one's a pound heavier at uh, 5.5 pounds. And it also has a high-end Core i9 and a 2080 Super Max-Q. But the reason we want to talk about it a little bit is because it's very interesting because the performance of that 2080 Super Max-Q varied greatly system to system. Uh more specifically, the, the MSI uh, Stealth and the Acer Triton 500 that I reviewed. Uh, my system, even though it has a Core i7, and not even the highest end Core i7, versus the Core i9 in the MSI Stealth, uh, you got a lot more GPU performance out of the Acer system. So we just thought it was worth talking about again because we've talked about on here about how laptops are really holistic systems. You can't just individually judge, hey, this one has this part, this one has this part. On paper, the system Gordon reviewed, the MSI Stealth, should be faster than or at least equal to the the GPU performance of the Triton 500 that I have. But it kind of – I'm not sure if Gordon agrees, but in my opinion – it looks like it kind of overshot or at least favored the cooling performance on that Core i9 part, or maybe the Core i9 is just too much for a four-and-a-half-pound system to handle. And it actually takes away from the gaming performance. So pairing the, the RTX 2080 Super Max-Q with the Core i7 in my system actually lets you take fuller advantage of the 300 hertz G-Sync display as opposed to paying more and getting a Core i9. Yeah, and then also for I I, I I generally agree. I do think the what is it the ten nine eighty HK. I mm-hmm. think that's it. Ten nine eighty HK is probably a little bit too much to chew off in a. I mean, you got you got to remember though the weight, and sometimes it's hard to lose perspective. But a four and a yeah. half pound laptop with a eight core ten nine eighty and an RTX Super Max Q you're right at the margins. You just don't have any, you just don't have that much left because you basically have to try to keep the CPU as cool as possible to hit those higher thermal velocity boost clocks. And then that, you know, these, these RTX supers, they really run if you have the thermal headroom. And I think you just sort of use some of your thermal budget on the CPU. If you shift that to the GPU, then, you know, it should run better, right? Ta- so talking do- about laptop thermals, I do want to give a little uh, a preview to uh, Gordon. Gordon did an interview with uh, Dell's thermal oh, design yeah. engineer. Yes. Right? Is that what was his title? Uh, Travis North, I believe. Uh, we actually yeah. have a, a six-part 
interview uh, <laughs> starting to go up tomorrow. We're going to do one oh, a day. Holy smokes. Uh, they get real in the weeds about laptop thermals. If you want to know anything about how laptops are, are designed, the thermal constraints, you know, and I mean, obviously they're talking about Dell stuff uh, as well, but I, I think this applies to all all laptops in general. It's it's a really good interview. Uh, I'm incredibly, so, but, I haven't seen that yet. I'm incredibly looking forward to it personally. It's really I'm good. I'm going to watch yeah. everyone. Yeah, it's yeah, really good. And just as a preview, he answers a lot of questions. And I will say, again, we're not the experts. We talk the experts. We talk the engineers who are people, we're people, people. Um, and he answers a lot of questions like, what kind of heat pipe is better? You know, and I don't mean... Should you repaste the CPU in a laptop? Should you repaste the CPU? And I, by heat pipe, what kind of heat pipe? I mean, what's best inside of that heat pipe? Because a laptop... Heat pipe is definitely different than a desktop heat pipe that never goes anywhere. It's stationary, so you have to account for that. We talk about liquid metal. We talk about all the thermal constraints, airflow. I mean, there's so many. I can't remember it. There's just so much stuff because it's, by the end, it's it's you know, like just, almost two hours total. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a awesome. long interview. But I'm really that's that's actually it. really good. I'm looking forward to seeing it because the the laptops that we're talking about right now shows that this stuff really does matter. It really does, because on paper, I mean, both of these systems, the MSI system and the Acer system, are the same weight, same GPU, same 300 hertz G-Sync screen. The only difference is one has a Core i7 and one has a Core i9. And if you're in it for a pure gaming system, which, I mean, if you're buying a system with a 1080p 300 hertz G-Sync screen, I think you probably are. Like, the testing shows that you're better off buying the Core i7 system and actually spending you know, several hundred dollars less, you'll get higher frame rates on that system just because the way all the thermal dissipation works out would be my guess. And it is also the, so the, and just to point out, because it's a little messier with 10th gen, Brad has the six core, uh, core i7, because there is, there is an eight core, core i7, there's a what, 10850H? Um, Yep. Yep. I'm interested to see if that makes a difference. 875, I believe it is. (laughs) So you definitely don't want to, I don't think you'd want to, I mean, because eight cores, no matter what, especially Intel 14 nanometer, is going to make some heat. But I do think the allowances for a 10850, is that guy? I can't remember the exact Google model, <laughs> is, is, is not as severe as a Core i9. Core i9s really, they sort of assume you're trying to get those higher clocks. And uh, for a lot of gaming, as much as people say you need eight cores, and 16 threads for gaming, you you really don't for the most part, right? You don't barely, you could almost not even need six six cores, 12 threads. We're both that, right. There is a six core 10850 and an eight core 10875. Ah, uh, okay. 10875 okay. is, all right, God. Yeah. That makes no sense. How, how, how come <laughs> you can't keep these numbers system. right? <laughs> I thought that, I thought the eights, See, I always thought the eight was the break from like, hey, so the eight means eight cores, but I was I was using that wrong in my brain. <clears throat> but definitely thermals, I mean, thermals are the limiting factor. So on the, the ROG Zephyrus Duo, which is a heavier laptop because it has, you know, it's really cool. If you don't know, go look at our review on PCWorld.com. It has a second screen that when you open up the main screen, actually t- opens up and tilts out. It looks super cool. And what yeah, which, does, which is an upgrade over the, the pro one that they had that just had the second screen kind of like flush, which was right. still cool, but yeah. Yeah, and the, when I say, you know, the, of course, that was a creatives laptop. This is actually the gaming version of a dual screen laptop. <clears throat> Besides the fact that it tilts up a little bit, 
um, so you can see the screen better, is it opens up two air vents underneath. So they can then suck the air in from under that panel and basically blow it unobstructed straight through the laptop and out. So airflow is very important. You don't want to take like left turns, right turns, and all that stuff, which you might in in a gaming laptop because you can't blow stuff through the keyboard. So by lifting that up, you can blow it straight through. So they open that up. Uh, and they also, when you're testing on their turbo setting, they push the CPU and the GPU really hard. Um, I will say so far, it's the fastest 10th uh, gen laptop, fastest of the supers we've seen. And a lot of these sort of small four and a half pound, sub five pound laptops, when you go from their out of box performance to their turbo or performance setting, you really don't see a lot. And I've also tested a, a larger 17 inch gigabyte Aero 17. You go from your, your base performance to your performance. Eh, it's like a pretty marginal improvement in performance on this, uh, ROG Zephyrus Duo because it is bigger and heavier and it's got that direct airflow. This thing just, it's like what? 15% more performance in things that you wouldn't expect like Port Royal, which we run, which is a ray tracing benchmark, pure graphics. Uh, you really don't see that much of a variation from laptop to laptop because it's they're basically the the the, the dedicated ray tracing hardware is almost all the same in a lot of these parts, right? But once you sort of like take that the thermal handcuffs off of it, it really starts to scream. So and that's that's a difference that the extra one pound in that ventilation will give you. So. Yeah. That's what it, this, these trio of systems all going up the same week was really interesting to me because they do all have that same thing. And they have just tiny differences that make big differences in performance. And I just found it fascinating. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I, I, you know, I still think like I, if the GS66 had a 10875 or a 10850 or 10750, I think it's a better choice, a better pairing for that GPU. But, you know, ultimately, you're going for that laptop for the size and weight. So yep. it's probably a little unfair to compare it to a much larger, pound-heavier laptop. But um, I think it's fine to compare it against the Acer Triton, though. And if you're going at it from a gaming PC system, I personally, the Triton is the, my favorite laptop that I've ever tested. I would take that uh, because it does give you noticeably better frame rates by going with the Core i7. Uh, but I mean, if you do multi-core stuff, like if you do video rendering on your laptop or stuff, the Core i9 will give you better multi-core performance too. So yeah. it depends what you're going for in your laptop. But if you're buying a 300 hertz G-Sync screen 1080p laptop, I would think you're probably not a content creator. I would think if you're a content creator, you'd probably get a laptop with a little, you know, higher resolution screen than that. So, Yeah. I mean, yeah, I love, that is, I love this Triton. <laughs> no, it's definitely worth pointing out because if you are doing CPU constrained uh, tasks, the Core i9 does actually perform way better than a, a 10750. It mm -hmm. definitely outperforms, you know, anything lower than it uh, that's Intel branded. So, yeah, if you're doing that part, if you're doing CPU constrained, that is good. Um, but it's sort of that we talked a little bit about this uh, with Travis but concurrent loads are an issue with laptops now. Uh, you don't just run a pure GPU load, and you don't just, or you just don't run a pure CPU load often. Sometimes you're running both, and when you're running both, that's when you sort of hit that thermal budget limit on any laptop. So you need to go big. 
you need to go big. Like, yeah, I will say the, the ROG Zephyrus, even though it's fast, it's the fastest of these thin and light laptops I've ever seen. It's still not faster than the uh, Alienware uh, Area 51M. No, of which has not. which has an older RTX 2080 in it, right? And of course, it's not a super. So why isn't a super Max Q faster than a super? Well, because <laughs> that Alienware is a big honking yeah laptop that can it's just like ten pounds, right? Oh, actually, it's very light. It's 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 eight pounds. I mean, yeah. relatively, <laughs> but like the it's and very the tri- light at eight pounds. <laughs> well, because I look at like the the Predator Triton, the Acer Predator Triton 700. Which is their big, eleven-pound laptop? It's a huge. It has a, that's a big and one. The, the keyboard slides back, so you get that direct airflow. That thing also screams. And the, the Rog Zephyrus with its super didn't outperform that, even though that's not a super GPU because they just don't have the the thermal constraints. But if you take the Alienware M fifty one R two, which I haven't seen yet, or you take the new Triton that they just announced, the Triton seven hundred. And you put in a super. I bet those things, those supers are going to definitely go yeah. to top the charts because they're just big, right? Uh, real real just, quick, uh, Leslie's eyes asking, uh, what, what's the price uh, in the configuration on the the Triton, Brad? That you that you reviewed? Uh, the one I have is Acer says it's twenty six hundred. Right now, it's only available at B and H for two thousand eight hundred. I think it is. Uh, it's four point six pounds without the charger. It's three hundred hertz G Sync screen. Uh, only about 300 nits, but has awesome contrast, so it actually looks really good. Uh, crap battery life. Uh, although you have an option to disable the discrete GPU running all the time, that jacks that up quite a bit, makes it good for working throughout the day. Uh, it has Core i7 2080 Super, like we were talking about, uh, 32 gigabytes of RAM and a one terabyte Samsung SSD. Yeah, that's, so that's actually very similar to the GS66. Uh, with the 2080, the i9, uh, 32 gigs of RAM, one terabyte SSD, and um, 300 hertz panel. So that's why that's why these two grand. fascinated me at the same because they were like they're almost virtually identical except for the thermal design and that Core i9 versus Core i7. So we've talked yeah. about thermal being in so much in laptops, and I thought this was just like a perfect concrete example to both have these come up this week. No, yeah, I mean they're they're really good. They're really good examples, and you know, and the Rog Zephyrus, and and you know, maybe it's it's you know, there's a good segue to uh, this is why Apple sort of like I know people. It's not really about silicon, as somebody was saying to me, but thermals are a big issue in these. You're getting and people are taking these i nines, they're stuffing them into much lighter laptops. So um, thermals is what it's all about, especially with Intel parts. So you can sort of see ARM. And would it be interesting, of course, which I have not seen a good example of with, is we see Ryzen 4000 with the high-end GeForce GPU. That's, so that's... I'm hoping for next year. Everybody wants to see that because they really want to see what happens if I go from a really hot 14 nanometer part to a really cool running 7 nanometer part. I take that thermal budget. I now unload it. I get to push that that GPU harder. They should be real screamers. But Intel would like to say, good luck. You can't buy it because I've never seen a 2080-based laptop, nothing high-end with the Ryzen 4000 yet. So this is this is the lay of the land. So 
And Frank, when it, again, I pinned this again last week, but that interview we did with Frank, uh, Frank Azor from AMD a few weeks ago, he's explaining why that happens. Like, this is the first year Ryzen's getting back into it. So OEMs are, you know, placing bets with their more moderately priced system. Now that they see that Ryzen is successful, I think there's a greater chance that we'll see higher end systems next year. Yeah. Because it's proven its success now. Yeah. Something you just said bringing up Apple. This makes me think, you remember a couple of years ago, you helped Macworld a bunch with this MacBook Pro with the first Core i9 overheating so much. Yeah. I wonder if that made Apple kind of, they had to have been working on it before, but I wonder if they're like, we really should be, you know, putting our foot on the gas now because this is making us look dumb. Yeah, I don't, it's hard to say because I think <laughs> Apple is just sort of like, they really do think in decades and I, I don't think long-term that, I don't think that really was a, a difference. It was, a, you know, I, they were embarrassed by it, but the, the normal reaction from Apple was, you're using it wrong, right? So <laughs> I, I don't think it really played into it, but it was a classic, right? Because, it, you know, it's so funny, that not to, to loop too far back, but it's it's very similar to, you know, Apple had gone PowerPC, and they kept following PowerPC down that road till it went nowhere. I remember at work, we had, you know, we had PowerMax, you know, the big towers had PowerPC chips in it every time i'd walk over to our art director and i'd make fun of them because like why is this fan running like so loud you're not even doing anything you're like running photoshop you're like because those power pc chips were just hot as hell they sucked the performance was horrible compared to intel and it was just like they were just trash right they were just they just like could not compete and intel was cooler running it was faster I mean, it sounds an awful lot sort of like the situation we're at with Intel in some ways, if you think about it compared to AMD or or in Apple's own parts, where they're like, this is crazy. You know, we've done this with PowerPC before. It's a little scary because it makes you think Apple goes like, they know, they see the roadmaps of Intel. They see all the roadmaps. Of they're like, you know, we don't really know if we're going to hinge our business on this because we, we don't know where this is going to go. This, it's time to make our exit now. We've had this plan for a long time. It's time to make the exit now. So, I don't want to loop too far back either, but I'm surprised there's still going to be Intel-based Macs. If I was Intel, I'd be like, well, you know, you already, you know, shot your shot, man. Have fun with that. We're not selling you a single other chip. But yeah, and Gordon, <laughs> that, that's that's kind of like your whole thing of uh, remember when the, the they announced the Pixel Four, like you know six months in advance and you were like well who's gonna buy or the uh the xbox series x you're like well who's gonna yeah. buy this current one because they just announced the other one you know right. so like that's 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 even taking it a step further where we're like we have unannounced intel products but we're also going to be dropping intel <laughs> so yeah. well it might have to do with contracts you know? yeah yeah well you know why nvidia like... never pre-announces its stuff it's like boom here's the 10 series launch you can pre-order it tomorrow to be at your house in two weeks or whatever that's called. That's actually. I think it's called the Osborne effect. You know, making your own stuff obsolete by announcing stuff way too soon. Yeah, and I don't know if that really applies anymore in this new world. But one thing I do think is is the weakness for Apple long term. I will say because you pointed out this, like you know what? Forget we're not selling you any more damn chips. You've insulted us. You have you have insulted our honor. Go make your own damn chips. Get out, right? <laughs> but you know what? I'm convinced. And I did. Tr I legitimately, really tried to use the Windows Store, and I legitimately tried to use Windows Arm. <laughs> but what really killed it for me was Google. Um, Google really 
I think, successfully killed the Windows Store, uh, the, the original Windows 8 Metro, because they, there were no Google native apps for Windows 8, the original Metro Store, right? Yep. Google has so much sway over everybody's lives that if you can't get native app and really, really high high quality native Google apps, you're like, I'm not going to do this. This sucks, right? I'm so tied up in Google. It's like Office in a way. If you don't have Office for a long time on the PC, you did not have a platform. Apple has that. They have the gravity now where people want the Apple money, so they're not going to give it up. But you guys, I could. is there a potential future where Microsoft and Google, they see this like, you know, this is a huge threat. Apple's built off this little walled prison of theirs, and they're, they're taking all the funds. But it's a threat to us. You know what? Why don't you go do your own thing, right? What You know what? We've got Office. Why don't you go make your own Office again, Apple? You sort of have your well, they, bad they version do. of Office. Yeah. I know, but it's a bad version. <laughs> it is a bad version. Yeah. It's a Terrible. bad version hey. of Office. But what if they? What if Microsoft says we're taking Office, we're not going to support iOS anymore, which essentially would not support Mac because it's, it's an existential threat to the PC and our Windows and what if Google says, you know what, uh, why should we support you and all you do is make fun of our, our privacy issues, right? And, and you know, you basically like you said, the Apple point, faithful would stay, though. But, yeah. You do, but, you know, there's a certain point, which Apple was very weak, where you have an Amiga or you have a Commodore 64. You have no applications. All the apps were on the PC. All the, you know, all the – so you have no support. You have I'll this, let like, you know, the original Elite on the Amiga – kicked all kinds of butt yeah but i mean you know <laughs> i'm just saying you don't if I, they wall themselves so successfully that actually yeah. companies i mean cut them off that's that's bad i mean i think it depends gordon because i don't think it's quite a one-to-one analogy just because the the experience using the windows app store on windows 8 for Still like surface garbage. rt was like your only real option for a web browser was Internet Explorer. Like it, it is not it's it's not the same as saying that like mm, Apple users now have to use what LibreOffice or OpenOffice instead, which still gets the job done, you know, and you don't have to pay Microsoft for it. So I think it's not going to necessarily be the deterrent that you that is as big of a thing where it's like, wow, I really tried to make the Surface RT work and it, oof, I just can't, I cannot get by on this. I think people will get by amply, like in a way that won't disturb the faithful. Well, I mean, yeah. If they're willing to take a credit card and their driver's license and wedge it into a slot to get a CD <laughs> out, I don't think um, using a piece of software that's not the absolute standard is going to bother them as much. It won't have anything to compare it to. That too. It's just well, what they have. But I mean, one of the things is we talk about enterprise, and, and I agree because um, the Macintosh does not exist in companies. There's no companies that are really buying these for their entire workforces. So that just doesn't happen. So having also like a on, small design shop or something, you know? Yeah, like, that well, they're still creative users, things. Actually, in the Bay Area, you actually see a lot of Mac users. So I you think know, it's going to depend on. <laughs> Do they not? There's quite a few of Console them. Console gamers don't no. count. You Look, know. somebody with a beard and their flat brim hat and avocado toast, they don't count. I'm talking about, hey. <laughs> that's tech you, companies, need, dude. That's tech companies. I need to buy, I need to buy laptops by the pallets. Uh, I need to buy <laughs> 10,000 of the XPS. 
right? Or precision or, or, you know, whatever we're talking about. I'm talking about fortune, fortune 100, fortune 50. They are buying windows computers by the pallets, right? They got to have their thing. They got to have windows. Oh, like, Oh, we already have office 365. There's all these things that sort of tie them into the Microsoft ecosystem. Apple's been long non-existent there and they are never, they've basically given that up just like they've given up on education. So I, but I'm just kind of wondering, I almost wonder, like, what would happen if Google did not support iOS? Yeah, I know it's a lot of money to give up, but what would happen, right? I mean, Google still wants all that. I, I don't think they would give it up. I, I, I think they I want all that information. It would be yeah. a drastic step. It would be crazy. Well, it would be crazy. But I mean, it, Go ahead. I, no, I just think it's one of the things where long ago, um, Apple decided they lost. They lost to Google. Google beat everybody. So they just long ago just they gave up. There's no they're not going to beat Google anymore. So in software, you mean? Yes. Well, I mean yeah. in everything. I mean, there's one time where, you know, I know market share, right? iOS was like this, and then Android came along, and we saw the exact same replication of the Windows versus Mac, and Android wiped them out through, you know, commodity yeah. prices, everything. Openness. Oh, open platform, I th- yeah. I think it's funny. We've uh, shifted topics, but it's know, clear right? that <laughs> Apple versus Intel is what's really inside all of our minds this week. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, because it's... Well, we do have a couple uh, questions if we want to switch to the uh, the Q&A. There's, there's yeah, a couple oh, questions sure. around that same yeah, topic. Yeah. We don't got much time left. Yeah. So uh, if you want to get your questions in, there's a link to the folder Discord uh, in the description. That's the best place to get questions. We have a question channel in there. You can put it at any time, and we'll get to it on the show. Uh, or if you're in the chat right now, you can just at PC World and I'll hopefully uh, see it. Um, the this uh, first one comes in from Spectra One Duke three eight seven. With Apple releasing their own processors for MacBooks, what do you think they will do for desktops, and how long do you think it will take them to ditch Intel completely? Uh, you know, that's we've we've kind of talked about that. But the second part is uh, also, what do you think about them using the 2020 iPad Pros A12Z Bionic for the demo? And do you think they will keep using the A12Z in the future? No. Or, or will they spin off their own desktop line? I personally think they're just doing it to uh, not announce a new chip yet and to get this development platform in people's hands. Because the uh, terms of use, the NDA you sign when you sign up for that, so you can't benchmark it, you can't put out performance information, stuff like that. It's going to happen. Uh Apple doesn't want any of its secret sauce out yet. So I think they're just using that as the development platform for now. I personally suspect that they will have uh, like a new M series chip or something. I think they would make new series of chips for, for its PCs, both desktop and laptop. And I think desktop is going to be the last to make the transition to ARM. Yeah, and I think that it's two years. Their, their stated path is two years for the for the transition. To everybody get up and pull their sticks out. Yeah, I think there will be. Why not take advantage of the the better thermals in 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 a, in a desktop, right? If you're making an all-in-one or a pro, you're not going to constrain yourself to the minimal uh, power of of a, of a mobile part. And you know, again, it's the. I think. Look, I want to point this out. I I tried native windows i tried applications for windows on arm you would download something if it ran on it it was great it actually ran like a core m kind of like performance and then you'd get something that wasn't optimized for arm 
it was horrible. Like Slack was horrible. It would just pause for like five seconds at a time and not work. On Windows, the answer is, well, you know, they need to fix this. Hey, can you fix this? Yeah, we'll get back to your minimal market share in about 18 months, right? They don't care. On Apple, oh, by the way, your application runs poorly. So one, you don't even get to push that in the marketplace. You don't even get to push that in the marketplace because it's horrible. We're going to cut you off. And two, if it somehow gets out there and runs poorly, we are just going to saw it off and you're not going to be able to run it. Because Apple's experience, going back to the original iPhone, was stuff that didn't work. They just walled that off and put a rubber wall there and people were happy. Oh, you can't send an MMS? What do you need to do that for? Right. And people were happy. They didn't, they didn't. Apple is great about like not letting you go places where the experience is horrible. Part of that is you can't do it. So now you can't do it, but that's what they're so good at. Okay. Uh, we just got, um, uh, 40, 45 Danish crone, kroners, kronas. I keep forgetting. Yeah. Uh, from uh, Eek44, thank you. I appreciate it. It says, um, soft to be aware, use Linux. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people are saying uh, programmers and designers still use uh, uh, Macs, but the ones that haven't have have kind of split off into to Linux. Uh, a lot of them do, yeah. A lot yeah, of them use Linux. A lot of them use Chromebooks. A lot of them, actually, Microsoft's done a great job of winning developers back over with what it's been doing with Windows Terminal and all the command line and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's been embracing Linux. They're doing a good job. Curious to see where that goes. Yep. Yeah, I am too for Mac because I kind of wonder it is a big development platform because of, because of the BSD underpinnings. I wonder if that will make the transition. I wonder if this would be sort of the last Mac platform that developers sort of stick with. Uh, a lot of servers run on ARM, and they say that if you can develop on what your server's running on, it's the best-case scenario. So that, we'll, see. we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I mean, I would, the vast majority of servers are still x86-based, commodity x86, aren't they? Yeah, I would think so. Of, yeah, yeah. A uh, couple more questions because we got to get out of here. Uh, ban Ban NATO uh, is asking uh, a good question, something we actually covered a couple weeks ago uh, in article form uh why does 1440p seem like the forgotten child of resolutions 4k is uh, still takes way too much power to drive efficiently even when new consoles come out it's still not going to be a well-optimized resolution why isn't 1440p the target resolution for performance and i'll say add to that uh on the laptop side as well you just don't see that many 1440p uh panels uh but uh, who who wrote that article recently about jared oh yeah yeah so I, I thought that yeah. was interesting. We had, we didn't talk about that on the show, so yeah. if somebody wants to make that article. You should go read that, that, that though. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. The article is yeah. Jared Newman. Uh, it's why you can't get a 1440p laptop. Blame 4K TVs. Uh, yeah. There's your short answer right there. Uh, Jared actually went and talked to product managers from like Lenovo and a bunch of other companies to ask that very question. He has an awesome like 12, 1500 word piece explaining all kinds of things. But that's basically it. Blame 4K TVs. Yep. Uh, those are the panels that panel makers are making because that's the ones that sell. Uh, you're starting to see funkier resolutions now, which is good. Uh, the dude from Lenovo is like, we would love to have less than 4K, but people look for 4K on the box. You know, People do buy Retina or Pixel Sense that Microsoft pushes, but it's hard to have a different brand name for that for every company. So that's basically it. 
Yeah, TV. and then also, why don't you just call it twenty-five by fourteen? Everybody knows what that means. <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, I, we don't have time for that one today. <laughs> okay, we don't have yeah. time for that one today. So what, one issue too is you know, uh, PC makers get what they get. Um, it's hard for PC makers to pay extra. So one great thing about Apple and Microsoft is they have a lot more money, so they can go out and order custom resolution panels. Uh, if you're HP or Lenovo or Dell and you're making 30 laptops every quarter, different designs, you can't go out and spend all the extra money for one panel unless you know you're going to get a lot of use out of it. So the vast majority are, you know, 19 by 10 or they are 4K UHD. So that's just the way of the world, unfortunately. I just, I, I just dropped that in Slack if you want to throw it in the chat, Adam or Elena. I did. Yeah, thank did. you. Awesome. Yeah, it's a good it's article. It's a good piece. Read it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I it, yeah, it's a bummer. I actually, I, I would have loved to get a 1440p panel in a laptop. Same. I think that's a sweet spot in a lot of ways. Blame uh, consumers. It's yeah. always the the answer is it's our fault. It's always our fault. Is <laughs> yes. really the answer. It, Quit it hitting yourself. Fault. Thirteen uh, inches, 4K. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, last question. What are your thoughts on Michael Keaton returning as Batman from C Money Six Nineteen? Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, he was really the best. Well, I guess you can call it Dark Knight, but that was only a one-off. In Christian Bale, you can't make him do the thing. So I think it'd be good. Other than, yeah, I, other than for a series, Michael Keaton is way better than everybody else except for, you know, Christian Bale. Uh, is is this a rumor coming back or is it just a question? No, this is actually uh, uh, supposedly they linked to an talks, article from, yeah, they're they're in talks. I think uh, it would be awesome to have Michael Keaton come back being like a real gritty, worn-down Batman doing a reinterpretation of the Frank Miller comics from the 80s. I think it was Dark Knight Returns. Uh, I think like having an old, grizzled Batman getting the crap beat out of him by Superman and stuff like that would be just awesome. That would be cool. Yeah. Especially after, what what was that, uh, Birdman? What, what was that movie he was in? Yeah, um, that was awesome. Yeah, that that was that was a good movie. I, I'm actually not a big Michael Keaton fan, I, and I don't like him really? as Batman. But I liked Birdman, and I I think I like your take on him coming back as like an old Batman trying to yeah. to continue. Have you ever read stuff. that 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 graphic novel from back in the day? That was no, when uh, I was a kid. I read it, so it's that old, but it's amazing. All right, so wait, wait, let's. Okay, everybody, uh, Christian Bale, scale of one to ten. What do you give him? Ten. Nine. Twelve. Okay. Close. Yeah. I actually, I, I give him nine. Uh, ten. I give him a ten. Uh, uh, Michael Keaton. Eight. I liked Michael Keaton Batman. Eight. I give I give it a solid eight. Eight to nine. Four. Eight and a half. Dang, Adam. I just, I, I'm not <laughs> a big Michael Clooney. Keaton fan. George Clooney. He had he had the nipples. Five. He had no, the nipples. Kilmer had the nipples. Oh, Kilmer. you're right. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. George Clooney. George Clooney. Actually, six. Five. Yeah, that was a five. That was a five. That was a five. Three. Okay, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Nipples. Yeah. Fucking one. Oh, pardon. Oh, Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be more generous. I was going to give it three. Show. Um, <laughs> anyway, I feel strongly about Val Kilmer's Batman. Wait, wait, wait. Bad? Okay, oh, so you're giving him one? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm giving him high marks. Ben Affleck. I, I actually I never it watched it. Yeah, yeah me I don't either. Know. No, I but that's either. how bad it was. It was a two. <laughs> well, well, and, and last one. Wait, wait, last one. Adam West. I give him eleven because Adam oh, West yeah. always gets an eleven. Yeah, he yeah. was <laughs> he was awesome, classic. And and whoever played Robin too. That 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 duo was amazing. 
Oh, yeah, Ooh, that's a... Brad, John just actually said, hey, Brad, language. <laughs> I'm not the one who brought up Val Kimmer as Batman. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that, that was the last question. We uh, Take us out of here, Gordon. <laughs> uh, okay, wait, sorry, I got to find my notes. We got to get out of here. Sorry, folks. Uh, check back next week for your fix of PC Talk and the Full Nerd for audio listeners. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. And also, please leave a review if you're there. Every time you do, there's a good chance uh, Adam may get to play Batman in the upcoming movie. Send questions and comments <laughs> to thefoolnerd.pcworld.com. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Brad Charkas. I want a bat suit with nipples. Elena Yee. I don't. <laughs> and Adam Patrick Murray has to go to the Batcave. I'm Batman. <laughs>